0: Hi, and welcome to The Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist, and I'm the online editor at The Strad. Violinist Elena Baeva spoke with me recently about the music of Stravinsky, specifically the divertimento from The Fairy's Kiss, which was arranged by Samuel Dushkin for violin and piano. She spoke about how this music encourages the player to harness the power of the imagination to showcase the kaleidoscope of colours displayed in Stravinsky's writing. We also spoke about staying spontaneous, as well as her approach and tips to playing tricky double stops. Plus, you'll also hear about what instrument and bows she used to record her latest album, Fantasy. Here's Elena. Elena, welcome to the Strad Podcast. So Stravinsky, The Fairy's Kiss. You've recently recorded this for your new album on Alpha Classics called Fantasy. Tell me about the Fairy's Kiss by Stravinsky. I'll admit, I don't know the piece very well, but when did you first encounter it? And have you played it much before?
1: I'm so actually happy to dig into Stravinsky uh, closer and to have a chance to talk about it because I adore this piece. Absolutely love it. It's such a brilliant um, kaleidoscope of ideas and thoughts. And it's actually um, brilliant. Actually, I did not grow with this piece. So to say, I... I just heard it first time, I'm in my 20s, early 20s, and I was fascinated by how Stravinsky could put together very simple melodies in a very funky way. It's uh, really the way how he jumps from one melody to another, how he elaborates one theme or another, how he co- connects them. It's really incredible. It's very, very special. Well, he he's... Brilliant in his own style, of course. It's it's, a, it's based on a neoclassical ballet he wrote in um, 1928. And it was performed in Paris, premiered in Paris. There's a lot of American cast, by the way. Yes, it was a big success. Apparently, you know, it's based on a fairy tale, of course. It's um, um, Anderson fairy tale about the ice ice queen. You know, who was frozen, freezing the ball and you have to save... Say him, the music is very, very nostalgic. I would say, nostalgic and playful. It was dedicated to uh, Tchaikovsky. Actually, of course, it's kind of an homage because he was such a figure for current music scene in the world. Stravinsky, what did Stravinsky? He took a lot of material from Tchaikovsky music, a lot of themes and melodies from his piano music, early pieces. There is a hint also of a piano concerto somewhere, a tiny hint, which it's clear for me that it's a kind of a little quote from piano concerto. But my partner in recording, a uh, brilliant pianist, Vadim Holodenko, he says he doesn't hear it <laughs> as a quote. <laughs> so that's really funny. He, he plays a lot of games with the uh, listener and with music and with our imagination. So it's, it's absolutely brilliant.
0: I think you said it best with the word kaleidoscope because with a kaleidoscope, everyone sees something slightly different depending on how you turn it and and what angle you're looking at it. So, you know, a pianist might hear something different, but then of course you hear, of course it's the piano concerto. So Stravinsky is so renowned for repurposing music, taking folk themes and using them in his own compositions. Tell me a little bit about some of the challenges of painting all these different pictures it's quite thematic material you have to create quite a wide range of images Um, so for example I was listening to this yesterday and I was walking down the street in London and almost jumped out of my skin a few times because your dynamic range is is quite impressive (laughs) so (laughs) tell me a little bit about some of the challenges of you know creating this this world this ice queen this fairy tale world
1: (laughs) first of all I was very very Enlightened by listening to the orchestral version of divertimento, of course, because first uh, Stravinsky created the ballet, then um, he created the divertimento as an orchestral suite together with his uh, friend Samuel Dushkin, a great violinist, and then Dushkin made the violin suite after that, which is which is recorded by us. So actually, by hearing the orchestral version, it's such a brilliant music and. There are so many colors and orchestra is so brilliantly orchestrated. And um, it's really very dynamic. It's, it's a lot of, a lot of uh, nuances there and uh, choice of instruments Stravinsky uses for uh, expressing. I personally had my own challenge in trying to incorporate this richness of the sound picture into the violin piano version. You know, it is quite different, of course, the sound which we can create, quite limited with the violin, but the aim is to really forget about uh, instrument any instrument limitations. And that's what we try to do with Vadim. I have to say that I made some changes. I didn't make some changes to the violin part written by Dushkin. Because for example, there is uh, one place in uh, in Sinfonia in the first movement of divertimento where um there is a bassoon playing, some pom pom, 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 pom pom. And Dushkin wrote it as a pizza. And by some reason I was not convinced by sound of this pizza. You know, it's was too short and too dry. And I thought, I can try to play it uh with a ball, actually. And it worked pretty well. So uh yeah, another thing I did some articulation changes, I played some uh, more legatos in scherzo, where there is a lot of flute passages. Mm. It's very fluent and very quick, and uh, you know, it reminds you of a little bird flying over in the sky, and I thought that's much more corresponding to this flute passage.
0: It's almost like if you're playing a flute passage, you have to pretend that you've got all ten fingers <laughs> at your disposal instead of just the the four, right?
1: Right, yes. Quite
0: like <laughs> flitting around. <laughs>
1: this, these passages in scherzo are yes. so, so... You know, they should sound so effortless and so light. Mm. And uh, this is not very easy technically, <laughs> I would say. So it <laughs> takes some time before you know you jump directly on a in a one tenth of a second. You have to jump in a very high position and to hit this hard note and start a passage from there downhill. So, yeah, mm. it takes... Uh, actually, I was, again, I was very grateful for the... Nature who gave us this kind of hands who, you know, we, they learn. The more you repeat, the more you imagine what you want to do, what you want to hear, mm-hmm. the more chances you have to have it in reality. And it's, it's an incredible process. Yeah, of course, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very grateful to my teachers who taught me how to, how to do that, <laughs> how to play, <laughs> yeah. really, of course. But it's really incredible power of imagination. Of really wanting to hear that and when you when you really know what you want it's much easier to to get it done yeah to make it happen
0: and I suppose with this if you've got the idea of the story behind the ballet and because it's so programmatic you have an idea of what kind of picture you want to paint what kind of story you want to tell and I imagine that informs you know the choices that you make on your instrument You know, you mentioned the effortless flute passages Hmm. that were quite difficult. I'd quite like to know what your approach is to practicing, you know, some of the really challenging double stop moments. You know, there's a lot of of octaves, a lot of double stops. And, you know, perhaps for someone practicing this or learning this piece, what's your approach to going about the challenge that is double stop?
1: (laughs) Right. Well, I was going primarily from the music music picture of this piece and... uh... Yeah, I take all my inspiration in music, I have actually creating my own you know, analogies or allegories um, out of music, out, out of sounds, which I give in. So when there are some octaves, it's more for, I think, for reinforcement of the idea. It's more like two instruments playing together uh, in this case. Yeah. Um, and uh, so in most of cases, it's forte or fortissimo. So that gives a certain idea of how it should be played. So I think when there is, a, yes, there is a music idea behind the technical difficulties, always help to remember why you're doing it, right? Why it's not just a double stop for double stop sake. So yeah, in the dance Suisse, for example, they start with double stops with a, with a force. Yes, with a force. And I have to say, even during a recording process, you can imagine how I change uh, when I just play regular concerts. But during a recording process, I was changing my fingering several times, trying to figure out what works best today <laughs> for this place. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I like very much the beginning of Dance Suisse, this very rustic, repeated force. Yeah. And I thought actually this open string together with, and like just playing it in the first, first position with an upper string. It sounds very simple very rustic and very you know it's kind of a good good idea it gives you a good idea about the music mm. keeps
0: it simple in a way yes. I imagine, as well yes
1: but then you get to change to another double stops which are not including the open string anymore and this gives you a change of timber because you have to go to the g string and it's very different. so i had the choice of between you know keeping the same timber starting from the G string and D string. So it's just one one um, bubble, sound bubble on a G and D timbre. Or I start differently and I go, I actually have to say, don't, I don't remember what I did choose uh, for the recording. I have to reset it That's again. probably <laughs> good
0: then. If you, <laughs> yeah, it means that it happened and it happened without drama, hopefully. So. <laughs> But I think that is very, very useful to know because, I mean, uh, the reason I asked about double stops is because sometimes I struggle with, you know, getting things in tune and and we all do. We have these struggles of being fixated perhaps too much on the left hand and then trying to balance that out with thinking about what's going on in the right hand as well. But I really liked what you said about just having an idea, you know, an image in your mind of what are these double stops trying to represent? You know, what are the two instruments, for example, Mm. in the octaves that, represent reinforcement i think that's really useful for anyone exactly. you know it's just a slightly different approach from just thinking about this yes of course or, you know, also you time.
1: know what helps uh, when you try different fingering it also helps uh, whatever way you choose to play later it will be better if you mm. practice with different fingering the same place i love to play with it actually and to be creative and try to think oh, how, how i'm feeling about today shall, shall i try something different and it's very often I do change fingering. I think it's for improvement because I really think at this moment that's better. Uh, even in uh, like concertos like Mendelssohn or uh, pieces which you play, you know, all your life, I think that's very, very good to be open to changes because mm. it also enriches your, you know, you just have more in your possession so you can choose later.
0: Tell me about your instrument and bow that you use to record this piece.
1: Yes, I am very fortunate to have a wonderful violin to play during the last uh, five years, or yeah, more than five years. It's a Guarneri del Gesù violin from 1738, uh, and it was uh, it spent a lot of its life in uh, North America. It's called X Kroll, so it was a violinist uh, William Kroll playing with it. It is a remarkable instrument, it, it's, it is very beautiful, and it's in a great state. And it got such a warm sound. What I love about this instrument, it's not you know direct as a laser like many Guarneri's are. Fantastic instruments, very powerful. It is quite powerful, but it's also it's incredibly warm and uh, charming. Mm-hmm. And uh, I take a lot of inspiration from the sound it gives to me. And of course, the violin reacts and responds to different bows. So completely different. It's. It's a mystery for me, you know. I don't know how it works with the bows. And I was also uh, very fortunate to be, to be playing on uh, tourd bows. I have two tour bows and one kettle. And I did change uh, during the recording process. I think the Schumann Merchenbuilder from the same CD I recorded on uh, ex Isaiah tour. It was in Isaiah's uh, collection, which was obviously pretty big. And I think Stravinsky recorded it on Kittelbow. It gives you a different sound, different speed and different articulation. And uh, that's endless inspiration to to discover. Mm.
0: Lots of tools in your possession, as you said before, you know, in the same way that you like to change up your fingerings a bit, you know, just to keep things flexible. Sometimes it's nice to be able to try something different with a, a different bow and see what kind of results you get there. Yes,
1: yes, absolutely.
0: You're very lucky. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think (laughs) I'm very lucky. playing such a fine instrument. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I was playing, I'm playing
1: on a a brilliant modern violin prior to this Guarneri for another five years. I was extremely happy, you know, and actually that modern violin by Jair Holt Feinas, I have it, I love this instrument. It got more compliments from the audience than the Guarneri. I mean, it was, it is even more uh, projecting, how to say, Yeah. but mm-hmm. I missed a little bit different qualities, so as much as I'm, and I'm just in a different point on my path, so I just explore, and yes, I'm extremely fortunate for the moment to have this choice.
0: Yeah, and sometimes I, I imagine with an old instrument, also you're thinking about the legacy of, of people who played it before and, and how that, you know, that changes the instrument a little bit.
1: It does change it a lot, yeah, it's true yeah it's magic
0: yeah yeah it is magic yeah. and a bow is like a wand isn't it because <laughs> exactly, the bow chooses yes. the player yeah. <laughs> fabulous elena thank you so much it's been lovely hearing your thoughts on stravinsky and the challenges and interesting approaches that you have recording the fairy's kiss so thank you so much thank you thank
1: you it's a bit pleasure
0: that was elena baeva Stravinsky features on her latest album, Fantasy, with pianist Vadim Kholodenko, which also has works by Schubert, Robert Schumann and Messiaen, and it's out now on Alpha Classics. Right now, you're listening to The Pas de Deux from The Fairy's Kiss, and you can find out more about the album in the show notes. Don't forget to check out thestrad.com where you'll find the latest news, articles and reviews on all things to do with string playing. If you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. There's 50% off an online subscription for students. And if you're not sure you're ready to subscribe, take out a free trial for seven days. Start reading right away with no strings attached. And if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts right now, give us a little review or rating. It will help people discover this podcast. Thanks for listening. Tune in again soon for another episode. Take good care. Bye.